0: Uh,
1: are you scared that we're becoming the resident perverts of the Appalachia, Tom? Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm, uh, I'm concerned that we're occupying a niche that's just marginally better than um, problematic, like super problematic, man.
1: <laughs> and that's
0: only because we believe the right things. Explain. I don't know how to explain it. I'm just becoming uh, a prude from now
1: on. You think that we're be- being too... Um, <sighs> I think... We're, I...
0: This is going to sound dumb. But Little B tweeted out this thing that said, uh, no consent, no booty. And I shared it and it's like, Retweet if you're trying to get that booty with consent. Uh-huh. And uh, I've, I, for some reason I felt guilt about that. <laughs> Am I making a lot of consent? I don't think so. I just was, you know, trying to have some fun on the internet.
1: Well, it's all about having fun anyways, right? That's all little Not on the care. internet. That's all little be cares about.
0: Yeah. There's no fun to be had on the internet.
1: Well, let me give you a little bit of advice.
0: Um, I'm still reeling from that echo.
1: Thing. <laughs> I think it broke something. Uh, it really gonna matter in 600 years what we fucking said or didn't say on this podcast? No, it's really that's, not. That's a good point. Well, I mean, I guess it could be written down in a history book somewhere. But um, if so, we're
0: definitely immortalized as perverts.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that was the whole shtick from the beginning, right?
0: I'm just saying, are we trying to get outside that box, or <laughs> <laughs> are we happy with what, what we got going on?
1: I like being a pervert, personally. I mean, I don't know. Is is talking about sex? Does that make you perverted? I feel like it does now. I don't. I don't think so. Really? Yeah. Uh. Because it's something that you do. It's like shitting or pissing. And maybe it's not polite to talk about it in public, but I don't know. I think people need to have their ideas about things. Um, what, why, why, why do people consume media in the first place? Like, you know, it's like if they just wanted to have the same sh- boring, banal shit just projected back to them, why would they watch movies or listen to music or podcasts or anything? I think that our job is to take things that are possibly taboo to talk about and stretch them out and or dissect them or I don't know, turn them on their head and make people take their power from them. It's like uh this book that I was reading, the, I've told you about it before. You're reading books now? That's big. I'm reading a books. I'm reading books now. I have tried to do this thing where I've tried to stop smoking weed so that I can actually retain the knowledge I've read in books. How's that playing for you? Well, that's not true. I'm just trying to relegate my weed smoking to weekends from now on. <laughs> and maybe
0: one it's night. It's kinda of like how some people oh. uh, cut
1: carbs through the week, you're cutting weed. Yeah, I have cheat weekends. Cheat, <laughs> cheat weekends. Yeah, and then, like, maybe one night a week. <laughs> and then on the weekends. Okay. But, uh... Just tonight that night? <laughs> I didn't smoke today. I haven't smoked since Sunday. You probably didn't need it with that, honestly. Um, yeah, that'll give you a head change. Do you know about, there are ways to get high without, uh, actually taking substances, like, um... Binaural beats? Yeah, there's that. Um do you know about the, uh, what is it called? Machine, record player, hallucinations. What? The Dream Machine. You ever heard of the Dream Machine?
0: No, but I'd love to know how to get high
1: without destroying my innards. It's a, so carry on. a stroboscopic flicker device that produces visual stimuli. Artists Brian Geisen and William S. Burroughs, systems advisor, in Somerville, created the Dream Machine after William. Okay, blah blah blah. But uh, okay, I'll show you how to. I can tell you how to make it. I tried to do it in high school, but it didn't work because I got a record player and I was like, "Oh, this would be tight, man."
0: You got a record player in high school just to get high <laughs> off? <you. laughs> like not even to to
1: be like a cool guy, not even to be a cool guy. I wanted to get high in the in a very original way. Is that a dumb way to get loaded? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll I'll tell you about it. It doesn't sound dumb once you actually say it out loud. In its original form, a dream machine is made from a cylinder with slits cut in the sides. The cylinder is placed on a record turntable and rotated at 78 or 45 revolutions per minute. A light bulb is suspended in the center of the cylinder, and the rotation speed allows the light to come out from the holes at a constant frequency of between 8 and 13 pulses per second. This frequency range corresponds to alpha waves, electrical oscillations normally present in the human brain while relaxing.
0: Um, Let me ask you a question. If we were to go home and try this, would something just break up there? Because I don't have much left to give, to be perfectly honest.
1: <laughs> it, would be, it would be like, it claims that it is like entering a hypnagogic state. Did you find that to be true? Well, I couldn't get it to work because I don't think I'd cut the slits in the right. I was in a hurry, you know, and I didn't know how to explain it to my Your mom. Your mom was coming home? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, am what are you, are you doing art now, art projects now? Like, yeah, mom, and I'm like a zombie. <laughs> My eyes are like this big.
0: <laughs> what, oh. if, what if you got half this record player and then like killed your family? <laughs> how, how would you explain that in court?
1: Well, um, I would explain it as it's all part of the... Um, quest to expand my mind, man. My consciousness.
0: You're you're uh, you're a slave to your uh, <laughs> to your quest for knowledge, man.
1: Like back in the day, uh, okay. Back to the book I was telling you about. It's called Cultures of Darkness. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: happened to be laying around in the studio. Well, I t- <laughs> you go, you go.
1: Oh, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was it to work today, and then I walked over here. I was reading it on my lunch break. Cultures of darkness, night travels in the histories of transgression from medieval to modern. It seems kind of relevant since we're talking about night in the woods. Right? We're talking about, like, things that go on at night right. as opposed to daytime. But, um, but uh, like, 600 years ago or so, like, it was very common for people to be just fucked up, like, at all times on, like, various <laughs> forms of, like, opium <laughs> Uh, derivatives of poppy, (laughs) they would cut bread in the same, they would step on bread in the same way that modern drug dealers step on drugs. They would cut bread with um, all kinds of shit. I really hope that's where we get the expression,
0: that shit stepped on.
1: (laughs) I mean, well, it's there. But back to your point about being pervs, pervs have always existed, man. And Yeah, the more
0: I think about it, the more you pulled this up, I'm thinking of Ben Franklin and the Hellfire Club.
1: Well one of my favorite
0: like 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 it was just de rigueur for people to like throw like just huge debauched days long orgies like in the seventeen hundreds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've never done that shit.
1: Right. We've never done that. We just make a
0: tasteless joke on the internet. We're not Marquis de
1: Sade, you know. (laughs) Um but it references this one book that I also read earlier last year, called Montaillou. Um, I remember you talking about this. Yeah, uh, but there's a great quote in it. Um, the The Montaillou is was like a um, a little village in the French Pyrenees, with their, this like heretical form of Christianity called cath- Catharism or mm-hmm. Catharism took off. But is is pretty blasphemous. But uh, <laughs> they, they quoted this one guy, this one peasant in this village. Um, he was being asked how God was made. And he said, God was made fucking and shitting. And he had this, like, hand gesture. Basically, he was saying, like, fuck it, and fucking fuck and shitting. Yes, exactly.
0: Fucking <laughs> and shitting. So
1: you really think that, that, like... We ain't got
0: shit on these it, guys. It
1: really matters, like, whether people five or 600 years ago were, like, internet woke. I mean, no. It all... It all I don't know. I mean, yeah, it does. I guess maybe it helped in their like little tiny sphere of influence. But like, ah, we're nobodies, man. That's true. We're just <laughs> we're just some guys, <laughs> and we don't make light of consent. I mean, we actually do think that consent is necessary, and <laughs> it's part of the deal. Part of the deal. Uh. And so I don't know, it's okay to be. It's okay to be a little perverted every now and then, man.
0: I need to cut myself some slack. <laughs> I've lost my edge. Maybe that used to kind of be my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I lost my identity really in the in well, the post woke
1: era. It's like you said, it's harder to do as you get older. It's hard to be a, it's hard to be a
0: charming perv as you get older. No, that's just not doable. It's really just not doable. If if Jack Nicholson can't pull it off, what's up to the rest of us? Say?
1: If you're being a perv and not replicating rape culture, I say good on you. But if if you're if you are perpetuating rape culture, then in that case, yeah, it's a time to self reflect and say, what am I doing and saying that?
0: So two questions before we call Scott here that I just for reflection. One, is there a tasteful way to be a pervert? (laughs) And two, what's the dumbest way you ever got
1: loaded? Okay, the second question I can answer a lot easier than the first question. uh, Because the answer is always Whippets. (laughs) Will
0: Whippets ever be supplanted as the the official (laughs) dumbest way to get loaded? (laughs) It's
1: always gonna be the dumbest way to get loaded. (laughs) Mostly because physically, cognitively it has probably more diminishing returns than any other drug. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Very true. It's like what is okay, let me rephrase this then. What's the dumbest arcane plant that you've ever smoked and held <laughs> whatever to get loaded? Uh smoked and held? Anything, like it, it, however you take it. Oh shit, man! But it's got to be pretty fucking dumb, like nutmeg or some shit like that. Um, I've al- I've always heard about nutmeg. I don't know if that's true.
1: When I was like fifteen, uh, I got caught I got caught drinking and I was grounded for a while, and so I couldn't like smoke weed or anything. Um, which I wasn't really smoking a lot of weed at that time, but uh, I wanted to get high. Right. And I had this little hemp necklace. <laughs> oh, you see where God, I'm going with this? Damn. I basically burned it. Puka Shell. Hemp. <laughs> I just wanted to see if it would work. I just want to know if it would work. <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm the dumbest person alive. <laughs> hey, Keep was, in mind, this was 15 man, years ago. Dude, I
0: beat off a shampoo one time, and I still got the scars to, to I prove I have friends that did that. I can never understand why, because <laughs> no I always judgment here.
1: Yeah, the thought of getting it in my pee hole just made made it. Uh,
0: that was a wise instinct, my friend. <laughs> you should follow that your whole life. If you think something's going to sting your pee hole, don't bring it near <laughs> your pee hole. Most things will sting your pee hole.
1: That's true. It is true. Uh, but yeah, the first one is—is it—is it possible to be a tasteless perv? Well, we'll taste we'll, tasteful, tasteful perv. perv. It's kind of like—is
0: it—is it—is it possible to have tasteful rock and roll saxophone?
1: Well, we'll leave that one up it's, to the listeners. It's a matter of debate. How, how's that sound? We'll leave it up to the listeners. That sounds yeah. good. We'll give Scott a call and um, get this underway.
0: Well, <laughs> Scott, we we were just talking before you came on here. We have we have uh, three questions that we'd like <laughs> you to ponder. One, and we'll start from uh, the the least problematic to the most,
2: Okay. (laughs) Is
0: there a number one? Is yeah. Is is there such a thing as tasteful rock and roll saxophone?
2: Yes.
1: Yes. I'm gonna gonna say yes. I'm gonna go with yes, and I think Springsteen's probably the best example. Yeah,
2: Springsteen's the go-to. Right. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll just. I'll just echo that. I think. I think I could probably think up more examples of good. Rock and roll sax, but uh, today on the Rock and Roll sax cast, the <laughs> podcast dedicated to rock and roll sax.
1: It's gonna be our side, uh, our our side project, a spinoff, mm-hmm. our Frazier type spinoff.
2: <laughs> um, which was on longer, Frazier or Cheers?
1: I think Frazier.
2: Maybe okay. But, well, I was gonna say so this the sax castle outlast the
1: Yeah, the, the trill
2: Mostly is <laughs> remembered for.
1: I'm fine with that.
2: <laughs> like we had this cool kind of like leftist podcast that was like giving perspectives that aren't, you know, generally, you know, uh, found in kind of the shitty media and stuff, but mostly I was here for the rock and roll stuff. Right.
1: My my legacy isn't the intellectual, issuing intellectual profundities. It's uh, mm-hmm. waxing poetic on the rock and roll sax.
2: I think rock and roll sax, though, is maybe the, the music, the perfect music for
1: profundities. Yeah, anyway. I, think, I think you're so. right. You're probably right. <laughs> um, so number two, Tom. Number two was, wait, what was number two? Number two was, what's the dumbest way you've ever gotten loaded?
2: Uh, loaded being Drunk.
1: Yeah, or any kind of uh, any, any sort of intoxication, any sort of. Intox-
2: I have actually never been intoxicated of any sort.
1: Oh, that's incredible! Sure, so, <laughs> that's incredible.
2: <you> fucking sinners! <laughs> wow. The closest I've gotten is taking like. Dayquil or Sudafed or something I think like I don't think I've ever been like I mean like I think like too jacked up on caffeine is the closest I've ever been to like well my mind is certainly being altered right now (laughs) Uh, unfortunately, I've uh, I don't have any any good stories of that sort. You're better for um, it,
1: honestly. You you probably think way smarter than we do. It's probably why you've got made a great video game. I mean, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I, true. Game developers yeah, known for their uh, yeah great life choices. <laughs> I, I just I just want to <laughs> DJ run that back and let it you know stand for itself. That I literally just said you're way smarter. You think way smarter it's than way we smarter. do. I know. I didn't say anything. Thought um, that was pretty great. <laughs> (laughs) uh clearly lots of drug use on this end
2: (laughs) no i never I, i never have i um i was uh straight edge for the lord when i was a kid yeah uh and i i've been surrounded with enough examples of uh various substances going badly in my life that i was just never like yeah let's go do that also i watched my dad quit smoking like cold turkey when i was like in third grade um and that didn't seem fun.
1: Right. Oh, no, uh, yeah. No. So, yeah,
2: I I, uh, I just learned from others, I feel like. It's like that old drug commercial. It's like, I learned it from you, Dad, except for, like, it was the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, learned to not do any of that shit. Um,
1: yeah. I, I was telling Tom a minute ago <clears throat> um, that I'm reading this book right now uh, about the sort of, like, history of transgressive um, sort of, behavior and activities from like medieval to uh modernity and like and i was and like you just saying that just made me think like how uh like the notion of being straight edge like in the 16th century would have been a really funny one because like your daily life as like a peasant in the 16th century was either you were hallucinating wildly because someone had <laughs> cut your bread with like hallucinogenic mushrooms <laughs> or you were hallucinating wildly because of, like, St. Elmo's fire or something in the whole town was just...
2: Everyone was just blasted or <laughs> tripping or whatever until, like, a hundred years ago yeah, exactly. or something. I, I remember, like, early Amer- in er- the early American uh, experience, there was, uh, I remember, it was like, the eighteen or 1820s maybe or something, like, there was a huge thing for temperance because people were like, Okay, listen, just bang your, your, you know, you're in a boardroom with right. the other early Americans, and you're just like, all right, people, we are drunk constantly. We have got to stop yeah. <laughs> 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 We are so goddamn drunk constantly. How did we ever found a country or win a war? Uh,
1: yeah, it's actually, I, I think it pretty much was like that. It was like a... Uh, public drunkenness was a huge yeah yeah was, well if, yeah.
0: if if you're if you live to be 48 and that was considered elderly that was mm-hmm. kind of like a you know a good way to go through life i suppose right
2: right, right. i think like because it was because like the water wasn't like fit to drink know, like a lot of the time right, <laughs> right. Or was that just like an enabling excuse where we're like everyone was like oh yeah no we can't drink the water it's too bad let's just get absolutely blasted oh yeah something <laughs> it is... let's, let's get absolutely just snowed under tonight
3: <laughs> right
1: uh. yeah uh I, like the um environmental issues are you know they're really bad today but back then it was also like its own sort of like very particular set of really crazy problems like didn't like the cuyahoga river like catch on fire like the whole thing <laughs> like caught on yeah. fire in cleveland <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Cleveland is the home of the burning river, right? So, right. Yeah, right. It, I mean, it's bad when your water is flammable. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's classically not supposed to happen. Classically, <laughs> fire and water
1: are that's that's... when they join forces you know that's when it's bad (laughs) when they decide to join forces
2: (laughs) i fucking hate when like the 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 elements of nature team up to kill me
1: yeah
2: (laughs) yeah Oh um sorry now i'm just thinking of like you know straight edgers yeah like you know Five hundred years ago, or whatever, and they're just like I'm just picturing the actual band minor threat and like their songs right. about like not wanting to perish of fits.
1: Yeah, the Ian MacKay of the 16th century was like a troubadour who would charge like three farthings and no more to get into his <laughs> <laughs> his show. Who, who
2: was who was the Fugazi of, of middle middle aged theologians and
1: preacher? I I I don't know, but he's I'm sure he's out there. The third thing, what's the thirteenth thing, Tom?
0: Is there a tasteful way to uh, be kind of a, like a louche, kind of pervy guy?
1: Is there a tasteful, is there such a thing as being a tasteful pervert?
2: <laughs> mm, yeah, but you have to kind of like, well, I guess there's two ways of going about this, right? I think there's, there's the classic n- normal way of doing this, which is just, you know, be involved in a, uh, you know a relationship or an interaction with someone where everyone is consented to the weirdness uh, you're right right <laughs> that's the classic way but i feel like you might be asking more of like how do you be a public version of that um in which case you need to start a youtube channel uh and and, and just call yourself you know just you know talk about you're educating people about kinks I feel like you need to professionalize it, basically.
1: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Terrence. You need to You need to
2: like bill yourself not as much as a, of a pervert, but someone who can offer either service to someone or who is <laughs> someone who is out there just on a quest for knowledge <laughs> and sharing that knowledge. We, we, we just ha- love to teach.
0: We have we it. have a buddy that does this character called Doctor Poon. <sighs> and the the kind of joke is that he's like a uh, he's like you know, not a medical doctor. (laughs) Uh Yeah, he's like a PhD. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Poon is not a medical doctor.
2: Is he like a... Like, what is his doctorate
1: in? <laughs>
2: what did we decide? Like, is, is it just like, oh, I was an architect, <laughs> yeah. and now I'm just like, yeah. a, a, like a horn dog?
1: <laughs> I think that's what it is. I think that's basically. Is what this
2: like out. when you meet, like, you know, someone who's like trying to sell you on like spiritual surgery or crystals or whatever, and they're like, you know, Doctor, you know, Steve Crystal or something, <laughs> and then you're like, wait, your doctorate's in like. Marine biology,
1: right, right. <laughs> like, didn't like Hunter S. Thompson. I think he was like a doctor, but it was like he got his doctor like in the '70s version of like online. He like sent in mm-hmm. a card for it or something. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, the that's... '70s version, the middle-aged version of Ian e. Mackay, the '70s version of online. <laughs> Where, hold on, I'm writing this down. I'm going to write all these speculative. Yeah, and...
1: it's uh, J.D. Vance can use them in his next speculative fiction novel, which.
2: We've tried to, to... <laughs> right. uh, it always comes back to jd yeah it was it was,
1: really, um, it was announced today that the shape of water screenwriter is um working on the hillbilly elegy okay, script cool and so <laughs> yeah exactly so cool a bunch, of,
2: a bunch of other fake shit about genetics <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah i've not actually seen the shape of water yet but earlier today tom was like hey man can fish you kind of fish man. a yeah well say tom was like earlier today tom was like can you photoshop jd vance's face onto the fish guy from shape of water and i didn't know yet that they were talking about this woman uh the screenwriter writing the script and i thought it was tom just referring to the fact that like he's made the joke before that jd vance is uh, a well-known retainer of water so i was like oh that's a good joke like he's the shape of water
3: <laughs> uh.
1: um. He's
2: going to get like all Charles Murray on like the fishmen be like well the ones that are descended of bass have like a strong work ethic. <laughs> yeah. the, the the trout on the other hand.
1: Right. Uh, they like cold yeah. cold climates. Uh, they only yeah.
2: breaking out breaking out like you know the phrenology charts for like various like right. Lake- fish of northern america
1: yeah the salmon swims upstream because of its brain size it goes against the flow (laughs) (laughs) it can think for itself the sturgeon on the other hand is cursed by god um (laughs) that's kind
2: of the thing with like all this stuff is that it's like so much of it is just trying to like find some sort of like essentially kind of like providential explanation for stuff so you can be like, well, you know, I can't I can't help that I was born great, and I can't help that you uh were just born terrible. Right. So that's all part of God's rich cornucopia.
1: Right, right. Geez. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've thoroughly answered your questions, uh, Tom. Right? Did we do him justice? I, I appreciate that. I appreciate them Okay, good. Great. Where do
2: these questions come from?
1: Um, we were talking before before the... Uh, Before we called you, I don't even know. Me and Tom just were shooting the shit before we... Darren's apparently caught a buzz off a record
2: player once. Rock, sax, uh, (laughs) let's see here. What was the second one? Uh, Uh, Weirdest way I ever got... Loaded. uh, Drunk. Right. And then... How to you become a pervert in like a respectable manner? In a, t- manner? <laughs> a respectable <laughs> yeah. way. I feel, I feel like there's a common thread of like a lifestyle <laughs> running through this that is like just a really exciting thing I look forward to seeing come out from uh, you guys like in a book or something.
1: basically the trillbilly's brand when you really boil it down. It's, yeah, um, it's to live that
2: <laughs> yeah, Trillbilly
1: lifestyle. Right. It's sex positive, <clears throat> smut, whatever. It's getting loaded in really dumb ways and rock sacks.
0: Mm -hmm. but the truth when you pull the the curtain back is that we are teetotalers. (laughs) We've come full circle with that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, we don't drink, but uh, I definitely use drugs. (laughs) I don't know how to say that in any way that doesn't make me sound like a piece of shit. That's that's why we were talking about this, because um, me and Tom, before we called you, were talking about the, uh, what is it called, Tom? The Dream Scope? The Dream Machine. The Dream Machine. You ever heard of the Dream Machine, Scott? Uh, no, it's, I don't think so. So what it is is uh, you get a cylinder, you cut slits in it. You have to cut, and the reason I tried to do this in high school and I couldn't figure it out. You have to cut them a certain distance apart from each other. You put, you drop a light bulb down into the middle of the cylinder and you put it on top of a record turntable and you put it at 75 or 45, 78 or 45 RPM, and what it does mm-hmm. is it'll correspond to your alpha waves that, that are, you know, like in your brain and um, uh-huh. should help you relax. It sounds very I've hopeful. Never,
2: I've never heard of this, but, like, I've known a lot of potheads. <laughs> <laughs> well. So, I feel like I feel like th- this is just reminding me of, like, I'm getting flashbacks of all the other kinds of, like, uh, Various light lighting setups, yeah, and spinning things uh, like the back of a Spencer's gift, right? Um, (laughs) You know, I used to have one of those. I was talking to someone about Spencer's gifts the other day, and how Spencer's gifts just have not changed at all, except for Do you have Spencer's gifts in your area? Like what? Whatever malls nearby? Yeah, yeah,
1: we had them um, in the you know the closest mall to me growing up was like an hour and a half away, but there was a Spencer's gifts Mm -hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, they still sell evanescent shirts. It's
2: exactly the same now, except for um, the there's the sex toy like counter or whatever. It's just the entire back wall, <laughs> like so. Like before, there was like a tiny little bit of like you know discretion right. or something. <laughs> now it's just like. All right, kids. You want a South Park shirt, a Rick and Morty thing, and a massive
1: dildo. That's my. That might be a good thing, though. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we're becoming more sex positive society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't... Well, I was gonna say this
2: goes with your brand. Uh, it's right. The the, the sex posse. Right. The sex positiveness. Right. Uh, hold on. Go go into my YouTube channel. I'm gonna write. A, I'm gonna try to get that sensitive gift. Yeah. Uh, co-marketing.
1: Speaking of the uh, depressing state of America's malls, um, (laughs) this is a good segue. Let's talk. Let's talk about Night in the Woods. Okay, so, uh, so yes, Scott, the reason we wanted to have you on this week because uh, is because we know that um, or we knew that the one year anniversary of the video game Night in the Woods is either coming up or just past us, correct? It, it was uh,
2: a week ago today, actually, okay. I think. Awesome. Yeah, a week ago today, I believe, the 21st Perfect. of well, February, 2018.
1: Yeah. Um, so, well, then, um, yeah, like, maybe just uh, tell us what Night in the Woods is. You don't have to get really deep into it at the moment. But, um, and then tell us what your role in it was.
2: All right. Uh, yeah, Night in the Woods is, like, uh, kind of a adventure game type of thing video game it's got uh, little cartoon animal people in it because i'm good at drawing those uh and it kind of takes place in uh kind of a northern appalachia type uh area kind of like where it like, intersects with like you know the rust belt uh mining belt type of uh place uh and it's a story of a, a young woman named may who is uh Drops out of college and comes back to her town and trying to kind of uh, resume her, you know, uh, care- uh, carefree uh, teen life of just kind of like a young, you know, you know, kind of a charming, uh, well-meaning delinquent. Um, <laughs> and, but she finds out that uh, people have kind of moved on and the town has kind of changed, and there's some other stuff going on that I won't spoil. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of it. That's kind of the basic uh, uh, idea behind it. Yeah. Um, it got uh, it got somewhat uh, more notoriety, I think. Um, th- th- this intersects with uh, this podcast, but it got a bit of uh, kind of notoriety because Bethany. Uh, oh, I should say what I did. I was the co-director, co-writer, and like artist animator uh, guy uh, on it. Uh, when you're a tiny team of like three people, you end up doing a whole bunch of different (laughs) stuff.
3: Sounds familiar. Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, Bethany, my wife, she was the co-writer on it. She's from central Pennsylvania, uh, originally. And, uh, I've lived out in Western PA for like, geez, the past 18 years Mm -hmm. or something. Um, so we kind of wanted to write about like, and make a game about, um, the, uh, of the areas that we knew and the people that we knew because there aren't a lot of games set in places like this that aren't like, oh, no, you're off the beaten path, and now they're all, they're all actually crazy and are going to kill you here uh, type of type of place. And so uh, we ended up hooking up with a Canadian uh, indie game veteran guy, uh, Alec Hawoka. um who's made some really cool games in the past. And he was like, hey, you guys want to make a game? And then we made a game we woke up three and a half years later and the game was done. <laughs> was um, so, uh, so, but yeah, so we, we were just kind of like, we to like a game about like stuff that we knew people we knew and whatever. And then like, it was, we were like, well, we know a lot of kind of like, you know, the, the towns around here that were kind of left behind uh, in, you know, just by capitalism and the markets and all these other things. And we were like, well, like let's make a game about that. Because uh, no one else on Earth is talking about that. Right. And then three years later, right when we were about to release the game, the 2016 elections happened. <laughs> right. And so people, you know, we, we addressed some of the stuff that would be somewhat relevant or resonant in that year. So uh, people were like, well, I can't believe you guys made a game just about this. <laughs> like you made it in the past six months or something. <laughs> we're like, no, nah, we're just ahead of the curve or... Not ahead of the curve. We were just talking about stuff that no one else was talking about until they talked about it for about six months and then lost interest. Right. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the basic elevator pitch of Night in the Woods as it might pertain to uh, listeners of your show. Right. Um,
1: well, it's kind of tricky. I don't. You know, I don't want to give any spoilers away because, like, one of the sort of joys of playing the game is sort of watching how a lot of the layers sort of peel back to um, to show you this really. Sort of complex story of something that's going on in this uh, post-industrial, post-mining mm-hmm. town. You know, and so like one of the themes, obviously, is yeah, rural decay, like you were just saying. Um, but I, but even more than that, like I think something that really resonated with me, and I think you know, just reading a lot of things that people have written about it and said about it, is is um, also how it tries to relate. Um, mental illness you know in in that sense of like social isolation to being in an environment that is um just sort of constantly in some state of decay you know what I'm saying so it's like so yeah, it's, yeah, so, yeah yeah like, I, I
2: think th- there was like there's like a, a a basic through line of all the themes there's no way to talk about this without being a little spoilery right but, um, right so right. there's kind of a through line with a lot of the themes of the game which is like, being in a place or existing in a place either in your life or geography or geographically or whatever, that's kind of lost. It's like what it's supposed to be. It's organizing force, like right. the thing that it's like clustered around. So it's like the old mill in town and your town's named after it and all this stuff. At one point, you can only buy things with like actual money branded by it. And now that thing is gone. Right. Right. Uh, and you though are still a place where people, you know, like you, are still in a place where people live and, uh, have their lives and stuff. And like their addresses still say this, <laughs> they, like have the name of this company on it or, or whatever. And, but that's gone now. And, uh, so that kind of question of like, well, what, what comes next? What is that thing? Like now that we are kind of clustered around this thing that's not there anymore, um, so there's that and then at least, you know, like everyone on our team has uh you know, who made the game has dealt with some sort of mental health stuff, um, be it kind of depression or anxiety or kind of dissociative uh stuff. Um and the feeling there of like I should be fine, I, I should be feeling okay and I you know, my, my brain and my emotions should be trustworthy, but they're not yeah. right now. Uh and there's no really really great rational way, and like to and like if it's like untreated, um, the this can kind of cause like a lot of a lot of problems. It can kind of lead to some just really you know uncomfortable or unpleasant or just kind of really difficult stuff to deal with. So that was kind of another way of kind of dealing with that, like of you know this is supposed to work but it doesn't work, and so what do I do about it? Um, and kind of trying to talk about just the ways that we kind of deal with both of those and like really and like what the consequences of those things kind of going untreated and being kind of like, you know, retreating into isolation and stuff. And then like the third one, the third way, I guess, that the game talks about that is kind of with God, you know, like if you have like a faith or a church or whatever, but you stop believing that God exists, there's that same kind of, like, hole left there. Yeah. So that, that was kind of, like, how those things, like, wove together, I feel like, over, like, the three years we were working on it.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things that I thought was interesting um, about it is how it, it, it... there. It's like there's a routine to everything. It's not, like... So I'm not much of a gamer. Um, I mean, I, you know, I like to play games every. What now and am then. I
2: doing on this podcast? Fake <laughs> <laughs> I, like, oh,
1: I, I mean, I but I am. A, I mean, I do like to play video games and I do play them. I just don't play them a, a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, you know, this. I think this game is pretty unique in that, in some ways, it tries to simulate routine, and I thought that that was a pretty sort of fascinating thing. It's like, um, you know, it sort of tries to simulate routine and and sort of being in a small town and seeing the same people every single day and um you know, and how sometimes that feels like it can limit your horizons. And I think May even says this at certain points in the game, how there's like little to look forward to or hope hope for. And um and I and I don't know, I just thought the game just did such a good job of of creating this sort of insular world that um you can really get a glimpse into what it's like to uh, be a young person in a town that everybody's telling you that oh the best times at this place were way in the past. You've got nothing to look mm-hmm. forward to. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just it, it does a really good job of that. I thought.
2: Thanks. Uh, we wanted to like early on we talked about almost like a ritual, right? Of like. It's like if you you know you live in a neighborhood and, like, every day or every other day or several times a week you walk down to, like, the Seven Eleven, or you walk down to the gas station or there's, like, a coffee shop or a grocery store. Anyway, there's something nearby. Yeah. Even if you're just, like, going for a walk every day down to, like, the river or something, like, you end up in these kind of daily rituals and, like, so much of your life happens within these small spaces. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you don't, like, live in kind of, like, a, a small place, it's a little cut off, like – you know, people stick to their neighborhoods and their blocks or like that one strip mall that they go and get like their stuff at or whatever. Right. Um, so we wanted to kind of tap into that feeling of almost ritual, like as the, like, this is what I get up and do every day. And by doing that like over and over, I, I think like, again, like it becomes so much part of like the rhythms of our, of our lives, uh, and we wanted to kind of make a game that was about kind of the rhythms of these, of, of these kind of like lives and kind of what's great and terrible and joyful and interesting and claustrophobic and all these other things yeah. <laughs> about it.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there's that. And then there's like um, the, in the title of the game itself, Night in the Woods. So, you know, you have this routine by day. And then you have this, like, almost totally different world that comes out at night. And um, it's sort of, like, in that terrain is, like, where you really start to see um, the sort of panic that's, like, slow-building panic, I think, that, like, that is um, sort of present in all the characters in in the sense that, like, they're trying to... Again, I'm not trying to give any spoilers or anything. It's really hard to talk about something without, like, spoiling something.
2: Yeah. We were kind of, like, pleased that, like, we didn't let, like, almost any spoilers from the game. Much out of, like, what we had really prepared to talk about, like, drop before the game came out. And people, I think, thought they were, like, cartoon animals and, like, driving around, like, riding around your hometown. This is just going to be a fun cartoon nostalgia fest (laughs) about, like, fun friendships and goofing (laughs) off. And it's, like, yeah, but you know, so it's, it's about some things.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> kind
2: of. Well, um,
1: it, but this doesn't, this isn't really giving anything away because it's part of the plot itself. But like at night, you know, May has these dreams that are incredibly uh, visceral and they're incredibly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, violent and terrifying. And, um, you know, juxtaposed with the daytime, I just, uh, it just, again, it just does such a good job of like showing how, um, you know, you can have your routine uh, at, you know, what you do every day, you wake up, you go for it. and But, you know, it's really hard to sort of shake some of the things that you experience at night, whether those are actual dreams or, you know, going out with your friends and getting into trouble or whatever.
2: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad that that, uh, that that kind of resonated. Like, the, um, we kind of, like, I guess, like, yeah, like the, the nighttime stuff is a bit more where, like, um, there's this, like these. Uh, there's these undercurrents in the game uh, that pop up in different ways uh, throughout, and I feel like part of Mae's our our character, her kind of like odyssey into these spaces is you know both kind of personal, but also uh, her just coming into like it's a way of her kind of coming into contact with elements of her world and her environment and history. And like the town's history that that you just kind of like don't know about necessarily mm-hmm. when you're when you're a kid. And as you become an adult, you become like far more aware of like this context and this kind of unfamiliar space. Right. Um, and being like, Oh yeah, this whole thing that happened here is kind of fucked up or these spaces that I am really comfortable with are actually like, you know, like my my understanding of them as these like safe places is so much based on the fact that I was just a kid at the
3: time. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, and, uh, and stuff. So, I mean, I think that was kind of like part of it was just, uh, you know, the, yeah, the, the kind of like, not even like undercurrent cause it's not like hidden necessarily. It's just the like coming to a greater understanding that even this place that's like the, in this like safe routine, be it like this kind of place that we're at in our lives or place we are geographically has this kind of, disorienting uh, this like uncontrolled aspect to it that know. you kind of bump, bump up against the further away you get from kind of being in a secure place where you're just not thinking about that stuff
0: I, I don't um, know if, I don't know if this is like necessarily true for you guys with your own uh, neuroses and mental stuff but for me I tend to have these super nostalgic sort of warm fuzzy feelings for certain spaces that were actually quite terrifying when I was like there and going through certain things in those spaces. <laughs> yeah yeah. At, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Including but not limited to the church. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. like years later having some distance from that, I kinda like almost find myself not really missing it, but almost kind of getting that like you know, Christmas time when all the Coca Cola shit's rolled out <laughs> and I know what you mean. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the worm and fuzzies. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah.
2: That's weird that I know exactly what you're talking about with the Christmas Coca-Cola thing. You know, <laughs> a, you
1: know,
2: unique shared reference point, um, right? Yeah, I mean these things are kind of like as home as anything else, like cause, you know, and that's I think that's kind of another thing we talk about a lot in the game is just different kinds of like homes and like what being home means uh, for kind of different people. Yeah. Um, and stuff like, if anything, the game's kind of anti-nostalgic. Uh, there's a bit of a spoiler. Well, I won't go into too many spoilers, but there's some pretty bad stuff that happens in the name of nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, at one point in the game. Um, and like when we made it, like, you know, we're all like in our mid thirties. We were in our early thirties then we were, so- we were so young. Um, but uh, the, Like, none of us look back on that time period of our life. It's like you're 20. It's like, 20 sucks.
3: Yeah. Like,
2: you're not a kid, but basically everyone still treats you kind of like your kid. Yes. Uh, And you have no idea what the hell you're doing, but you're supposed to be out doing something. Um, And you're not, like, an adult enough yet that you kind of, like, are secure kind of in, in being an adult, but you're not a kid. I don't know. It's like, where do you hang out when you're, like, 20 or something? It's like... You know, particularly if you're kind of, like, in your hometown, it's like, well, you're not going to go hanging out like, the high school parties unless you're, like, right. that guy.
1: But you can't go to the bar <laughs> because you're not yeah. old
2: enough. Right. Yeah, that's like, you, you have the choice between, like, going and, like, drinking, I guess, in someone's garage or something, or being that guy that's, like, hanging out at, like, the gas station at night with, like, your souped-up Dodge Neon, like, <laughs> yeah. listening to, like, uh, Butterfly by Crazy Town trying to, like, chat <laughs> yeah. up the high school girls. Like... Hell yeah! That's a really particular archetype, but you'd be surprised. Like, I, I, every time I, I, I've joked about that archetype in the past, and almost every time someone's like, "Yeah, I know that guy."
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Um. So yeah, you know, it's like like you're saying, and I and I did pick up on that this this uh, the idea that it is anti-nostalgia in some way, and but there are also parts of the story that um that talk about the importance of myth, and they talk about the importance of the stories that we tell ourselves about um, the common history that we do share. And, and, you know, you were talking a little bit on Twitter about this. I can't remember. Maybe it was a few days ago. But, um, you know, one of the things that you were talking about is how a lot of the stories in the game are based on real stories, one of which was one of my favorites from the game, um, which is about um, May finds uh, her um, this tooth, you know, that was her grandfather's. <laughs> And um, yeah, yeah. basically the story, I don't know, I, this is definitely a spoiler, but it's sort of central to what I'm trying to say. The story is that, like, um, I guess her her grandfather worked at a mine and with a very unruly boss or something, the boss punched out the tooth of one of the miners. And so to retaliate, the miners pulled all the teeth out of the boss's head and they they held on to him um and uh in in like and i think that the your point you're trying to tell is that like you know there's this very robust history of like people not taking any shit you know what i mean and, and like mm-hmm. and, and that's all throughout the game ab- about like the dignity of the worker and and how in this our current like and you know you see it with may's dad like your current system like um, we don't even have that anymore, and we don't have unions and, and all this other, uh, all these other things. But like it, it just goes to show you like the importance of myth and um, the stories that we do tell each other into, uh, like, the importance of that into bringing it into our day to day lives.
2: Yeah, we um, that two story is really funny. So Bethany, um, let's go right around the game. Uh, she is just a massive like research person. She just loves. Research. She like loves reading about like you know basically anything. Um, and she has just like books and like stacks and stacks and stacks of notes from like all these like historical things. Like because a lot of like what's in the game history wise is based on where she's from. Like kind of some firsthand. You know this was happened in my family. This happened in my town. Um, and then some of it's from like research and stuff. And that two story is funny because it. It stems off of I, I forget the actual um, occasion, but it was like about like some like shithead boss who was like garnishing their wages or something, uh, and yeah, a bunch of like whatever the criminal like you know somewhat criminal like mining you know a gang amongst the miners and like the townspeople. Yeah, they just like ran up on his like stagecoach one night <laughs> or whatever, and like totally like I forget like how much how, what they did to the guy. Uh, but they like left this like note or whatever, it was like a drawing of a coffin and it was like, You're gonna be in this if you don't stop this or something. <laughs> uh, and, and like written in this, like really bad like mid eighteen hundreds, like th- one guy knows how to write in this in th- in our group. <laughs> right. uh, we can all draw we can all draw skulls though, know, so that's that's cool. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> which I, was, I I loved. I was like like you know, you know, I guess like D minus on like the the actual kind of like grammar here, but A plus on the visual.
1: <laughs> age, yeah, uh, yeah. on the message. But um, so
2: there's something about that that like uh, we both just loved like immediately, like not in a condescending like, oh look at this folks do something. It was just like, no, these are guys who are like, no, you are fucking with us, and we are recognizing that we are being fucked with by you because you have this power. And we need to let you know that we don't have a lot of recourse, but the one recourse we have is not the recourse you want Yeah. Um, at all. Um, and like, I guess it's kind of like, you know, that sounds like thuggish or whatever. And like, are, are kind of like more, we're supposed to have these more like genteel relationships with our employers or our people who have this power, but we just really love that. Like just how to the point it was. Yeah. And how, like, and how, like, yeah, like, I, I can sit here, like, you know, in my, like, apartment in, like, South Pittsburgh or something and be like, well, it's never good to threaten someone with violence, blah, blah, blah. But it's just, like, I don't know. Sometimes it might be all right if <laughs> you're in that situation. Um, but those, those stories, yeah, like, I, I think that the power of story and the power of history is, like, I think a major theme in a lot of the stuff that Bethany and I end up working on, um, that this, the, these stories that we tell ourselves are, like, really important because they can form some sort of concrete connections in, in ways that we don't necessarily always have access to. Um, it's like, yeah, I, I was not there for that particular thing that happened. However, that happening is very, very important to me. Um that kind of thing, and it, like, tells us, like, how we, it informs how we feel about ourselves and the places that we are and the kind of struggles uh, that we're kind of collectively find ourselves in. Yeah. That was, like, a very, like, I, that was a very, like, respectable answer to that story, to that thing, other than, well, we just like the fact that they talked with their boss. <laughs> <off. laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but, yeah, the, the, the underlying, you know, uh, point is that, um, bosses do suck and they don't have your best interest at heart. And we do live in an era when people sort of like try to, uh, th- you know, we live in the era of the cool boss. And that's, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's just, it's so absurd. It's like, you know, your boss isn't your friend, you know. It's like that he doesn't have your best interest in mind. Bosses suck. And I like, and I like that about the game. Like it just hammers home that point, And I like the fact that you know, kids and teenagers are going to be playing that, and you know, and you know, and, and that they put they store that away, and they take that into their jobs. You know what I mean? It's good. Yeah, the whole thing about bosses is weird. I had a
2: conversation with someone a while ago about this, and they're like, "But like, some bosses are really great." I'm like, "Yeah, some bosses are really great people and try to do the best they can." But the position, the the, the way that you are kind of forced to relate to each other, the, the position of bosses suck. It's like the cops or whatever. It's just like I, there's a lot of really nice cops out there, but. It, the structure and the way that this is set up precludes there being some sort of thing where it's like, ah, oh, well, yeah, like, you, you can't, there's no amount of niceness that is going to take away the fact that someone can fire you. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I, I've known a lot of great people who are kind of like, who are bosses and stuff, um, and, but it kind of like, it's the structures around it that makes it that you can't just, you're, you're never going to be friends on the same level or something like right. there's always going to be that power held over you and that power is like the problem exactly right um and the fact that you kind of have to do all this stuff in, in order because you on some level fear that power and like that's the fucked up thing and the, and we just have like example after example after, i mean more examples than not of like You know, your manager at the grocery store might be super cool, but the guy who owns the grocery store is sending you a wage, Mm -hmm. and that wage is way too fucking low. Uh, And you're supposed to be – you're supposed to have all this, like, flexibility in your schedule, but they can also just fire you for, you know, I need to take a day off or, you know, I had a kid and I need some, like, time off after it or something. Like, it's just – the personal, like, holiness of the person (laughs) (laughs) – Of whoever it is, like the condition of their souls, almost doesn't really matter
1: <laughs> right. when it
2: comes to talking about these actual giant like power dynamic, yeah, things.
1: Because for some, and people- in
2: the game, I, th- I think we wanted to talk about that a little bit, just because no one ever talks about it, yeah. particularly in video games, which are like all about becoming the boss, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. like- <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> right. That's exactly true. <laughs> <So> like- <laughs> yeah. Um. Well. Yeah, I like that, you know, and I like what you were saying on Twitter about how a lot of those stories are based on real things, and, and, you know, and some of the stories that you were, um, was it like, uh, were y'all doing, what is it called, the Ghost Town Trail? Is that, so I don't know anything about that, and I guess that's in Pennsylvania. Oh, right, yeah, the Ghost Town Trail. So the
2: Ghost Town Trail is, um, this. uh, it's a trail, um, and (laughs) it uh, it runs through Indiana and I think Cambria County's which is a place that in western pa like maybe an hour hour and a half west of, or east of pittsburgh and it's a place that i've spent a whole lot of my life uh and like of, of my adult life just uh bethany and i met when she was going to college in indiana uh, county um and i was in bands that played around there and it's also where like route 22 which is like the main artery that isn't in the interstate to get to uh to Pittsburgh so and her family lives on the other on the opposite end I used to live in Altoona all the, we just spent a lot of time in the area yeah and um it's this trail that goes through a bunch of well ghost towns like but they're not they're not really even there anymore you can like found find like foundations and old like mining equipment in the woods right and like old machinery and there's like we you know we just call it like the you know mine equipment like you know graveyard. There's a place that's just been a dumping ground for all this mining equipment that you can go to, and it's just piles and piles of like mine carts uh, and stuff just out there in the woods. So it's this like 36 mile long trail, and you can go through and kind of like find evidence of all these places that used to be there. And a lot of them are like old like straight up like company towns where like. The boss was, like, might as well have just been, like, the local emperor or right. something. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and it's just, like, a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous country. And since we're such, like, nerds for history of that sort and also just, like, finding, like, like going out and, like, looking for stuff and finding it, like, that place is, like, a gold mine. Of just, like, it's, you know, gorgeous, and then you look, and you're like, oh, and it has this tragic history to it. These are both these things that we apparently like. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful, and people suffered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
1: it's, there's evidence of their suffering. <laughs>
0: yeah. we're, we're not short on those type of places, either.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of places like that in eastern Kentucky. Um, mm. But... It, yeah, I guess the larger point I guess I was trying to make is that, yeah, like uh, your attention to detail and um, these stories, it, co- it comes through in the game and um, and the setting of the game is something that uh, really resonated with me and I think probably would resonate with a lot of our fans and anybody who lives in Appalachia and is a young person in Appalachia, I think would find it very um, compelling and, uh, I don't know, sort of palliative I guess that would be the word.
2: It's been funny because, like, <laughs> we get a lot of those emails and messages from people like, I grew up in eastern or southern Ohio or I grew up in Tennessee or Kentucky or West Virginia or a bunch of other places, like, even out to, like, Michigan and stuff, and people are like, holy shit, this is my town. Yeah. Um, there's so much of a commonality. That's one thing we found out is that there's so much that all these places and so many people who – either grew up in them or lived there for a long time or have this like you know strong connection to it like there's so much commonality there because so much of this are these larger like i think everyone's like oh my hometown like you know like when you're a kid and you're in the kind of a town like this sometimes you can be like oh my town town just sucks and afterwards you're like oh no there's a reason why all these towns are suffering from similar things but we kind of also didn't want to make a game that was just about like oh everyone here is suffering and, right. like everything here sucks because like we wanted to make something where like people were you know you know like actual whole lives take place here and those lives aren't like you know terrible horror shows right man. um when we got we we would get interviewed sometimes so so when the interview kind of circuit for this game was happening it was like late 2016 into early 2017 and, like, we kind of became, like, the video game equivalent of those horrible Trump country pieces <laughs> of, like, the, like, we had, like, someone from, like, the New York Times interview us, and, and they were like, oh, so you're out here in, like, the Rust Belt. Like, what does the Trump presidency mean to you? We're like, well, he's just a fucking fascist. We hate him. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and they're like, oh, but, you know, like, this, did it, does it, does, it, does this campaign resonate with you more That because you're out there in the rest of it? I'm like, no, it doesn't at all. Right. What are you getting at? Like, it's just so, it was so kind of obnoxious. But I remember this one person was like, yeah, so Bethany, like, like you know, is your town kind of built around, like, one of these, like, dying places? And and Bethany's like, yeah, well, I mean, we still have standard steel. It's still there, but it's, like, cut down. And there was a few other places, that they're not there anymore. And now, like, you know, all this other stuff. And the interviewer actually asked, like, did it, like, how does it feel to know that you'd never work in a factory? <laughs> and <it's> just like, <laughs> Bethany just, like, looked at me like, I don't know what, how to answer this question. This is the stupidest question. Uh, it's just like you know, Jesus like yeah, like Christ. it weighs on Bethany's heart all the time that she's not working at a factory. Like most people who live there work at like Walmart or are like nurses or something. <laughs> like no one's like it's not just yeah, but like these people would you know get this, and you talk about this often, obviously. But we talk about this uh, on Twitter, just the kind of like, well, we're here. Show me to the to this one particular stereotype that I'm looking for. I do not care about anything else.
3: Right, right.
2: Um, we, we talked to, wh- like, one of the best interviews we had about the game was um, uh, a guy from Youngstown, Ohio, who uh, was writing something for the Pittsburgh City Paper, and he's like, yeah, yeah, this game's great because it looks exactly like my hometown. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, you know, we could, you know, talking to someone who, you know, has some familiarity with kind of the places and stuff that we're talking about as opposed to someone who just wants to, you know, feel like they have, like, their finger on the pulse of, like, white middle-aged male resentment or something. Right, right. that somehow is typical of an entire place like everyone is just sitting outside like the Depression factory <laughs> waiting for Trump to show up and they're all like men in like their, their 40s wearing like you know I don't know like you walk up in a John Mellencamp song <laughs> starts playing um <laughs> but like um but we and, and he, he was like yeah like it sucked because like he's like it was this past year like we'd have people from like New York Times, Washington Post or Time or Newsweek come and they'd never talk to the local press at all. Like they would just like, they they might like ask us like, you know, basically like where do all like the unemployed people hang out or something?
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: and they'd go to a diner, always a diner, and uh, always a diner. walk up to like the first guy with a MAGA hat that they'd see and be like, sir, you're obviously the king of this county. <laughs> Uh, and, the, you know, and some sort of weird uh, Youngstown royalty, so you can speak for all the people. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, so it was weird, like, kind of going through that thing and, like, this, this, these two very different reactions we've had um, of people who are kind of from these places, you know, from around here and be, or from, you know, just the general area being like, oh, God, yeah, this is exactly what I know. I've just never seen this really depicted in a game or in culture before. Versus other people who were like, "What can this tell me about Donald Trump?"
1: Right. Um, right. Which is
0: funny. Which is. A, um,
1: yeah.
0: It's so funny you're talking about the the diner people, Scott. We've we've literally had reporters from national outlets just basically ask for the most like derelict end of the rope son of a bitch <laughs> that coal miner that you're right that, just give me that guy <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah you're like most of the people around here work at a lowe's uh, <laughs> right. you, know, like, you know you know this is like you know uh, they work at the RVs, like you know or something like it's not yeah i don't know it's, it's weird it's like so i know like like so i'm not like from You know, here, like I grew up like all kind of all over the country, like Texas, born in Texas and moved to like Ohio, like suburb of Cleveland and then lived a little bit in central California, but then mostly grew up in my teen years in North Jersey. And then when I first moved out here, when I was like, like two weeks after my 18th birthday, I I, I just had no understanding of what it was like industry and like places like any of the stuff we just talked about. I just had no understanding of it at all. Um, and so I think like I get the kind of like outsider point of view, but I don't understand like it's just the kind of like weird. Well, I'm suddenly an expert, yeah, like yeah. arrogance of it. Like it's okay to like not have a clue, right. but it's not okay to like pretend to be like well, so I'm some sort of authority figure because I parachuted in for like half a day and was like you know. Show me to the nearest clan meeting, please. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Um, it's funny because they, these a lot of these outlets uh, they they claim to be objective and they're doing objective reporting, but when you actually like are on the receiving end of their reporting, you get this you get to see the sort of nuts and bolts of what they're doing, and it's not objective mm-hmm. in any way. Like they're they're working with a very specific ideological frame, <laughs> and it's just I don't know. I just think it's even more laughable. Like in our current moment where, you know, like the New York Times opinion page is like sort of <laughs> trying to defend itself from all these, you know, like, oh, we're, we're welcoming in a diversity of viewpoints. It's like, no, I've seen how you work. I know what you're doing, and that's not what you're yeah, doing.
2: Yeah, this, is, this isn't fooling anyone. Like, exactly. it's only like, this only works because people are either agree with it or they're polite.
1: Exactly. And,
2: like, that's it. It's like, it's like so much shit. It's just like, oh, well, why can't we afford to pay teachers? Well, because we, you know, like, among other things, all this money just went to billionaires. It's not rocket science. Like, you know, it's pretty clear. I mean, the actual mechanisms for it are are complex. But what happens is really clear, you know, like Jeff Bezos, you know, Amazon employees don't make a living wage and are working horrible conditions and are discouraged from unionizing and all this stuff. And Jeff Bezos is the richest man alive. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not... It's not hard to see how this, like, see what happens here. Exactly. But, like, it, it is weird to me, the, the, the idea of, and sorry, I feel like I'm, like, retreading some things that you probably talked about, like, on past shows. No, um, although I've listened to your entire catalog, so I should know this. <laughs> but, like, um, the, but it's just the question of, like, what is gained by this? Like, why, why would you want to cling to a really particular narrative about how, you know, this this area this vast very diverse place that covers like so many different contexts and peoples and all kinds of stuff like what's what's to be gained by really hanging on to this narrative and pushing it constantly that it is this kind of monochromatic like a, like place that you can easily essentialize like I that I don't. Without like just giving in to being like, Oh well it's guess they suck. <laughs> I don't know. I, like I, uh I think for I, me I, I don't understand I don't understand what's to be gained by I, it, I guess.
1: I think for me it reveals who they think the readership is. And, and and the thing is is I don't even think that they think that. I think they know what their readership is and their audience is. And their audience is mm-hmm. coastal liberal elites. You know, and I, I hate to use that term, it's kind of like played out at this point, but I think to me that just it's all about profit it's all about selling a a newspaper and so Mm -hmm. like by working with that very specific framing they think that they're giving their audience what their audience presumably wants which is a jd vance type soothsaying person who can explain this vast (laughs) region in a way that makes sense i don't know i I could be wrong i don't know
2: Oh, sorry. I, I, I just stepped on you. What were you saying?
1: No, I, I said I could be wrong, but uh, it's it's okay to step on me when I'm admitting that I might not <laughs> know what the fuck I'm talking about. Are we going back to
2: the Dr. King thing again? Yeah, Like, it's okay to step on me. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, play that rock facts. The, uh, I think th- there's that, and I think that there's like the self-mythology of a lot of... Uh, So I I hate using the term liberal as like a pejorative because sometimes it makes, I feel like it makes me sound like I'm like, not for me, I'm like perfectly correct lefty (laughs) or something. But uh, (laughs) I think that it plays to the liberal self-mythology of we are somehow just inherently more cosmopolitan and urbane and like, you know, whatever, like we're upwardly mobile. We are, um, uh, all these different things to be able to look at a place and go, and here's what we're not, right. um, there's a, you know, not to name names. There's, there's some, there's some people that I've kind of tussled with over the past couple of years about this, who do kind of like use like actual words of like, well, those places are full of obsolete people. And the sooner that they die, the better we'll all, all be Right. like, I'll, I'll name names off air if you want to go beat someone up, but like, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it's just like guy being like, "Well, I live in Boston, and we'd never let anything like this happen here." I'm like, "Yeah, yes, yeah, Boston, that bastion of anti-racism." Britain, <laughs> seriously,
1: <laughs> Boston.
2: <laughs> I think it was, you know, uh, Tressy. Oh, what's her
1: last name? Oh, uh, um, McDaniel.
2: Tressie MC, yeah.
1: uh, she's an author and uh, yeah, sociologist, she, I believe. She, she blurred um, uh, Elizabeth Cat's book.
2: Uh yeah yeah um yeah it's kind of you know same general circles. Uh, she's great, and I know that. Uh, she I think once I think it was it was her who said that like Boston is the most racist place in the U.S. It isn't in Louisiana <laughs> or something. Yeah, uh, well I believe and, it. And uh, um but yeah but it was funny listening to folks from there. And again I grew up most in in, you know grew up mostly in North Jersey. Like I have a lot of love for East Coast. I have like a New Jersey tattoo. It's something that I love a lot, but. There's that notion of like, well, because I'm geographically from here, I am, you know, this this makes me uh, somehow more viable and like I'm the person of the future. Right. Whereas these places are just, you know, almost genetically because, you know, when people talk about this, they do get into this almost Charles Murray, J.D. Vance type thing of like, well, the people from there are just predisposed. Exactly. To failure or poverty or something. Yeah. Um, and that just, that just steams me up so much, particularly when I hear it coming from, like, what? Yeah, I don't know. Like, particularly, like, after the last election. And, like, I, I'm looking and I'm, like, seeing all this, like, like, amazing, like, organizing and stuff that's happening down there, you know. Like, you know, bravo to uh, West Virginia teachers on, like, the strike and stuff this week. And all these things are happening. And, like, here in, like, Pittsburgh and, like, the DSA, like, we're, we're, we're trying to do stuff. And to hear, uh, like, people kind of from elsewhere uh, just be like, well, those people are just you know, doomed somehow. and as soon as we can let them all die or whatever, we'll just all be better off and it's just like, ugh.
1: yeah. Um, well, Scott, thanks for joining us and um, everybody uh, go check out Night in the Woods. You can find Scott on Twitter at uh, bombsfall is your Twitter handle if that's if I'm correct? Uh, yes and uh, and we look forward to speaking with you soon. Sounds great. Awesome. Um, Thanks, Scott. All right, Scott. We'll see you later, man. Thanks. Bye.